This is Sunrise, the who, what, when, where, why, and WTF of Florida politics. I'm Rick Flagg reporting from Tallahassee, where another promising young lawmaker has decided to get out of town. Michelle Rayner Goolsby made history last year when she became the first openly LGBTQ black woman elected to the state legislature. I have a woman that I love very, very, very much. Um, I call her my unicorn, and she is just everything to me. Rayner is now running for a congressional seat in St. Petersburg that's being vacated by fellow Democrat Charlie Crist. Governor DeSantis travels to a Jewish school in Surfside to sign a bill mandating a moment of silence at the start of every day in public schools. It's a not-so-subtle effort to put prayer back in the classroom. Uh, to be able to provide each student the ability uh, at every day to, to be able to reflect and to be able to pray um, as they see fit. Um, the idea that you can just push God out of every institution and be successful. I'm sorry, our founding fathers did not believe that. The governor was also heckled by a free speech demonstrator who was hustled from the building by several officers before he could say much. Why are you banning teachers from teaching about racism in schools? You're playing political games with our freedom of speech. Attorney General Ashley Moody is thanking law enforcement officers. She traveled to the bustling metropolis of Perry in Taylor County as part of her Thin Line tribute. Today is Flag Day. We gather always to salute our flag, pledge our flag, uh, which represents a, a tremendous country under a rule of law. And without the men and women that willingly sign up for these professions, the rule of law is meaningless. And for those of you thinking he only played that soundbite because she said salute the flag, you just might have a point. We'll also have your political calendar of events and the story of a Florida man busted not for the gun, but for the samurai sword. And now the top stories on Sunrise for Tuesday, June 15th. This is World Elder Abuse Awareness Day, Nature Photography Day, and National Bug Busting Day, which encourages parents to check their kids for nits to help reduce the spread of lice. On this date in 1924, John Edgar Hoover assumed leadership of the Bureau of Investigation, which was renamed the Federal Bureau of Investigation 11 years later. Hoover ran the FBI until his death in 1972. In 1969, Hee Haw with Roy Clark and Buck Owens premiered on CBS TV. It was their response to Rowan and Martin's laugh-in on NBC. During a spelling bee in 1992, Vice President Dan Quayle erroneously instructed an elementary student in Trenton, New Jersey, to spell the word potato with an E on the end. And on this date in 2015, former Governor Jeb Bush announced in Miami he would run for president. Those of us who covered his administration all pretty much assumed he would be the GOP frontrunner. We were, of course, wrong. Jeb never finished better than fourth in the primaries. Eight months and $130 million later, he dropped out. After serving just one year in the state legislature, Representative Michelle Rayner Goolsby is ready to bail on Tallahassee. The St. Petersburg lawmaker has announced her candidacy for the congressional seat now occupied by Charlie Crist, who is running for governor. If she wins, Rayner will become the first openly LGBTQ member of Florida's congressional delegation. Rayner talked about her sexuality back in February when she was working on a bill to remove language from state law that bans same-sex marriages. I have a woman that I love very, very, very much. Um, I call her my unicorn. If you see by her picture, there's a unicorn right there. Um, and she is just everything to me. And I was so glad that, um, you know, we were brought together and uh, we were able to, you know, make the decision, make the choice for us to get married. And that um, 
choice that we made for our family to be married is under constant threat as long as this law is on the books in the state of Florida. And so for me, this bill, it's not just a bill to do, but it's a bill that's personal. It's a bill that affects my family, affects so many friends of mine and um, family members of mine. And we need to make sure that the laws of the land are codified, that no one has to be in fear that their marriage is you know, viewed as a less than or null and void because for so long, people in the LGBTQ community, their relationships were seen less than, right? Their relationships were seen not as important or not as, you know, to the level as a heterosexual relationship. And we know that to be a flat out lie. Rainer was one of the most promising freshmen in the class of 2020 and never hesitated to tell truth to power, like the time she teed off on Governor DeSantis over his anti-protest bill. I've spent the better part of my career as a civil rights and criminal defense attorney, specifically working on issues to end systemic racism, state sanctioned violence, and police brutality. And today I'm saddened that one of my first addresses as an elected official is about the governor's abuse of power in this situation. I'm troubled that our governor would find it more useful to engage in partisan politics, fear mongering, and tout legislation, and legislation so we are very clear that is an attack, a direct attack on those who have been organizing and protesting for the end to state violence this summer. In the wake of the murders of Breonna Taylor, Ahmed Aubrey, George Floyd, Governor DeSantis had, has had an opportunity to lead and bring stakeholders, community leaders, law enforcement, and other electeds to the table and to offer forward-thinking legislation to address the underlying reasons that folks are exercising their First Amendment right to protest. It is troubling that Governor DeSantis believes leadership looks like proposing fear-based legislation instead of addressing the urgent needs of Floridians whose lives have been decimated by COVID-19. Rayner was a formidable presence in the state legislature, but she learned fast that Democrats in Tallahassee are pretty much irrelevant in the process. You can't falter for wanting to head to Washington where Democrats actually matter, at least for now. Governor Ron DeSantis has signed the bill that requires teachers in public schools to start the day with a moment of silence. It's their way of trying to put prayer back in the classroom without actually calling it that. You know, HB 529, the moment of silence in public schools. Um, we had this when I, not every, a lot of schools do have it, but not all of them do. But we think it's something that's important uh, to be able to provide each student the ability uh, at every day to, to be able to reflect and to be able to pray um, as they see fit. Um, the idea that you can just push God out of every institution and be successful. I'm sorry, our founding fathers did not believe that. And so we have an opportunity here. So, so we, we have an opportunity here to really uh, protect the religious freedom uh, of everybody who's going to school K through 12 in the state of Florida. The signing ceremony took place at a Jewish school in Surfside. There has been a wave of anti-Semitism in recent months, but Representative Randy Fine, the only Jewish Republican in the legislature, says Governor DeSantis has been an unwavering ally who was instrumental in passing an anti-Semitism law two years ago. I do want to say one thing, because the bill that we ran in 2019 about anti-Semitism is on everyone's minds. It's on my mind as the father of a 13-year-old seventh grader who just two weeks ago was approached by two seniors and asked how he could support his Zionist pig father in the legislature. Now, many of you are dealing with this right now, and so I wanted to tell you why we owe this governor 
so much. Lots of states say they care about anti-Semitism. Florida's done something about it. Our bill that protects all of you today puts a definition of anti-Semitism in state statute. It's not what you think it means. We've defined what it is. But more importantly, we've heard all of the people who want to say, well, no, 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 I can criticize Israel, or I can do this, or I can do that. It's not really anti-Semitic. And we've heard people say, no, 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 you have to protect my freedom of speech. You can't take a hard line on these issues. So we outsmarted them, thanks to having a pretty smart lawyer as governor. We said, you know what? However you treat a student who uses the N-word, that is how you will treat a student who is anti-Semitic. And, and all of a sudden, the objections went away. One other note from that ceremony. As DeSantis began speaking, he was heckled by a man who shouted, you're playing political games with our freedom of speech. The governor never stopped. He just pointed at the guy and gave officers the signal to get rid of him. It's great to see you all, um, law enforcement. I want to I, I thank you guys very much for what, you, what you're doing. Um, I want to... Thank you guys for what you're doing, uh, uh, protecting us. We need to support the men and women of law enforcement um, to be able uh, to make sure that we have uh, that we have safe streets. So I want to thank them very much. You couldn't hear him over the governor's microphone, but Thomas Kennedy recorded his protest and then posted it on Twitter. Here's what it sounded like from his perspective. Uh, it's great to see you all. Um, Governor, Governor, why don't you answer? Why are you banning teachers from teaching about racism in schools? You're playing political games with our freedom of speech. You're playing political games with our freedom of speech. And you're banning teachers from doing their jobs. You should be ashamed of yourself. Okay, okay, calm down. Kennedy's Twitter feed describes him as a community activist and says the governor has previously labeled him as a known agitator. Settlement talks have ended in the legal battle between Florida and the federal government over restrictions on the cruise ship industry. A U.S. magistrate who served as mediator said in a court filing that despite the good faith and concerted efforts of both parties, the settlement discussions have concluded and there is an impasse. Florida Attorney General Ashley Moody, backed by the governor, filed that lawsuit back in April, challenging restrictions that idled the industry after outbreaks aboard cruise ships early in the pandemic. Cruise ships are... are struggling along to operate again. You've got a, a CDC who has um, completely overreached in what they have been given any legal authority to do. They've shut down an entire industry. Uh, we had to bring suit before they could even start, you know, moving along. You know, not only is it overreach, it's impeding the cruise industry's ability to get up and get running at full capacity again. Uh, and it's not just about the irreparable harm this is causing Floridians or the job loss in Florida. This is about <laughs> what is permissible. What can the CDC under emergency powers do in terms of shutting down entire industries? So for the future of what the CDC is permitted to do and allowed to do, this suit is absolutely essential. Uh, and, and most specifically, the Floridians who have been out of work for over a year because they are dependent on the cruise industry being allowed to operate at full capacity without the unlawful interference from a government agency, it's imperative. 
Florida's lawsuit focuses on a conditional sailing order that the CDC originally issued back in October with a phased approach to resuming cruise ship operations. The CDC has made several updates to those guidelines and said in a Monday court filing that it expects cruises to resume by midsummer. General Moody was in Taylor County Monday to honor the men and women of law enforcement. It was part of a campaign called the Thin Line Tribute to thank local officers and recruit new ones. Today is Flag Day, and we gather always to salute our flag, pledge our flag, uh, which represents a, a tremendous country under a rule of law. And without the men and women that willingly sign up for these professions, to enforce and apply the rule of law, the rule of law is meaningless. And so as we celebrate Flag Day, uh, we have to celebrate the men and women uh, who make this country great. And that truly is a free nation under a rule of law. And so I am excited to be here today to continue our honoring the men and women on the front lines of law enforcement that wear a badge uh, in our thin line tribute. And uh, whether you wear blue, green, or brown, uh, you are all part of what make this state uh, a safe and secure place that people want to live, retire, raise families. Uh, so proud uh, to be a part of this state, a fifth-generation Floridian. And I know that it is such a great state because of men and women uh, like these here with me today. We have coming out of a very trying year uh, for law enforcement. Uh, not only did our state suffer through a pandemic, uh, these folks showed up every single day in uniform, wearing the badge, wearing a vest, knowing that their lives were on the line like everyone else who may be sheltering. They were out there making sure people were safe without hesitation. It was also one of the deadliest years we have ever experienced in the history of our nation for the men and women of law enforcement. And again, they showed up every day, proud of their position, proud of what they do to support and protect the communities that they love. Uh, they are indeed on the front lines of safety throughout our state. Uh, it's so honorable, so needed, and I think we get farther and farther away uh, unless there's been a tragedy of remembering how important that is to our civilized, peaceful, stable way of life, and certainly the continuity of any government under a rule of law. And so it was important for us uh, in the Attorney General's office to travel this state to places like Perry and to thank the frontline officers that wake up every day and do this, and often with no thanks. It's certainly not for the big paycheck. And sometimes, at least these days, it's often in the face of criticism. And we want you to know that we care about you, we support you, we will always have your back like you have ours, and we appreciate that you wanted to be a Florida hero. Moody spoke at police headquarters in the town of Perry, where Chief Jamie Cruz says it was kind of nice to see someone from the city. I'd like to say that it's refreshing to have you here, ma'am. We're geographically situated in the center of this county. We are 90 miles from Gainesville and 52 miles from Tallahassee. Oftentimes we feel we are isolated in a sea of forests um, near the Gulf. So we're, we have to stand on our own often and we have to be self-sufficient to take care of our community. And I'm proud to say that we have officers here that serve with integrity, that they have the public's trust and they believe the oath that they swore 
on their first day of this job. And I want to thank them for the job that they have done in this last year. They have done an excellent job. They've worked with the community, and we're always making sure that we're improving daily. Fourteen Florida law enforcement officers have died in the line of duty so far this year. Six were killed by COVID-19, three by gunfire, three by vehicular assaults, and one died in a car crash. Florida's law enforcement death toll also includes a canine officer named Joker, who died during a training accident at the Indian River Sheriff's Department. A panel at the 1st District Court of Appeal in Tallahassee will hear arguments this afternoon in a lawsuit that challenges a two-year-old state law that opponents say could prevent people from fighting development decisions. The case, filed by the growth management group 1000 Friends of Florida, targets part of the law dealing with attorney fees in disputes over whether local development orders are consistent with comprehensive growth management plans. Now, under that law, the losing party in lawsuits can be forced to pay the attorney fees of the prevailing parties. That's a change that opponents say creates a huge financial risk for any citizen who tries to challenge local government approvals of development plans. The lawsuit claims it's a violation of due process and First Amendment rights. Oral arguments at the district court start at 2. Your calendar of events includes trustees at Miami-Dade College meeting at 8. The governor and the Florida cabinet meet at 9. They'll take up a series of issues, including a disputed 13-mile extension of the Dolphin Expressway in Miami-Dade. The Florida Chamber Foundation holds a Learners to Earners Workforce Solution Summit that starts at 9 at the Wyndham Grand Orlando Resort. The St. Petersburg College Board of Trustees meets at 9. The Public Service Commission meets at 9.30 to take up a series of issues, including reviewing a study about potential decommissioning costs if Florida Power and Light's Turkey Point and St. Lucie nuclear power plants have to be shut down in the future. Trustees at Santa Fe College meet at 4 in Gainesville. Trustees at Palm Beach State College meet online at 4. Trustees of North Florida College meet in Madison at 5.30. Trustees at the Pasco-Hernando State College meet at 6 in Spring Hill. Trustees at Chipola College meet at 6.30 in Mariana. And today's the day the Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission opens the recreational bay scallop season in state waters from the Fen Holloway River to the Suwannee River in Dixie County, plus a portion of Taylor County. The season lasts through September 6th. Finally today, a Florida man is arrested after chasing a guy down the street with a samurai sword. Deputies in Escambia County say Marcus Lavoie told the victim his tires had been slashed. But when he went to check the damage, they were fine. Well, that is when Lavoie pulled the sword from behind his back and started chasing him down the street, threatening to cut him. And a witness caught the whole thing on camera. When a deputy arrived, he ordered Florida man to drop the sword, but he responded by pulling the blade out of the scabbard and threatening the officer, who responded with his taser. Lavoie is charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon and resisting arrest for failing to drop the sword. Now, they also found a loaded 9mm handgun tucked into his waistband, but there were no charges for that because Lavoie has a concealed carry permit. That's it for this installment of Sunrise. I'm Rick Flagg in Tallahassee, inviting you to join us again tomorrow as we plumb the depths of Florida politics. Thank you.